Amen. It is good to be in the presence of the Lord this morning, isn't it? No matter what we might be going through, in spite of the good things that are going on in our lives, in spite of the difficulties that are going on in our lives, in spite of the good weather or the really awful weather, it's always good to come into the presence of God with His people, singing praises and worshiping our King. Scripture says this, it says, Oh, how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. And today I want to tell you that this unity is critical in the body of Christ. And this type of unity is expected by Jesus. And this type of unity is something that you and I, we need to strive for at Glad Tidings Church because we believe at the end of the day, we are better together. Amen? You know, last week we did something a little bit different in our service. We, we had an open conversation about race and about culture. And uh, this week I really want to talk to you a little bit more about racialization. And I know some of you might be thinking, why don't we use the word racism? And the problem is that when you think about racism in the United States, you tend to only think of white and black racism, and the truth is, is that there are so many other stereotypes, good and bad, of every culture that's represented here today. And I know that this topic of race and racialization is not an easy topic to talk about. There's a lot of landmines everywhere, especially with people being ultra-sensitive and some people getting really easily offended and I hope that I change that, and I hope I change your perspective a little bit this morning. So the first thing that I want to tell you is that when it comes to culture, when it comes to race, you and I can learn a whole lot from our kids. Some of you may have remembered this story that I shared years ago, and for those of you who don't know, I, I grew up in Toronto, and uh, while I was in high school and while I was in college, I used to go to a lot of Toronto Raptors basketball games, and there was one game that I was at with one of my cousins, and we were sitting up, way up in the nosebleed section, and uh, of course, we were getting blown out at the time. They weren't very good back then, and I had noticed something a couple rows ahead of me. There were these two kids, a couple rows ahead of us, and neither of them knew each other. They were about the same age, and soon one of the kids offered his popcorn, and then the other kid offered his candy. And soon enough, they began to talk, and they began to laugh, and they began to play together. And, you know, it didn't matter that one of them was slightly older than the other one, and it didn't matter that one of them was slightly bigger than the other one, and it didn't matter that one of these kids was black and the other one was white. See, these little kids weren't critical about each other, and they weren't judgmental about each other. They didn't, held, they didn't hold on to any stereotypes about each other. All these little ones saw was another kid who can be a potential friend. You know, my girls, they're a part of Destination Imagination, and uh, they, this is a group that meets in the evenings once a week. And in one of their challenges, they were supposed to research different cultures and come up with a skit. 
And one day, Zoe wasn't able uh, to make it to the group. And this happened to be the night that the group was choosing uh, whose parts, who's going to play what part in the skit. And so the group chose Zoe's part. And her part in the skit is that she gets to play the Polish teacher. <laughs> it's a standing ovation from Rob. And I hope you see the irony in all of this because the group doesn't and Zoe doesn't. They didn't care that she's the only person with the most skin pigment in the entire group. They didn't see anything awkward about her playing the role of the Polish teacher. When it comes to race and culture, we can learn from our kids. I'm sure there's some people here today who think that racism and racialization isn't that big of a deal here at Glad Tidings Church. I mean, we were able to talk about this pretty openly last week with some people sharing about their experiences. And I know people here appreciate each other, but I have to tell you that as your pastor, I'm a little concerned. Last week, during our fellowship, I noticed something a little bit odd, and maybe it's normal and something that's been normal, but it's just becoming really odd to me, because after I got my food, I looked around, and there, in one corner, were the Islanders, and beside them were the Kenyans, and beside them were the non-Kenyan Africans, and beside them were the Caucasians. And in the midst of all of that, there were maybe one table, maybe two tables that were of people of mixed backgrounds. And so I believe we need to address this issue. And I believe that as a church, we need to talk about what's going on in our culture and in our cultures because I believe that at the end of the day, this is a gospel issue. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me? to Ephesians chapter 2, and we'll be reading from verse 12 onwards. Ephesians 2, verse 12. Here's the background, a little, bit, a little bit of the background about what's happening here. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he presents the church as God's masterpiece. You know, the church is his most, it's his best work of art. And God didn't create the church with clay or with canvas and paint, but everything was created in Christ. And Jesus was the substance of this great masterpiece called the church. And so Paul says that those who live for Jesus, they can no longer view themselves as individuals, but they are now part of Christ and they are part of each other because they are now part of the family of God. And so this is where we pick up the story or this portion of scripture in verse 12. Remember that you were at one time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. Let's just stop right there for a second. 
You know, before Jesus comes onto the scene, the Jews and the Gentiles, they spent centuries developing this deep, deep hatred for each other. The Jews looked down on the Gentiles. They thought that uh, all of the non-Jews, they just thought that they were unclean. They thought that there was no way that God was ever going to save these people. And the Jews thought really highly of themselves. They thought they were very special, extra special, that, that God loved them more than anyone else, that God loved them more than any other race, because after all, God spoke to them. And so they thought that they were clean. They thought that they were the only ones who were pure. And the Gentiles, they resented the Jews for these attitudes. And so now Jesus comes on to the picture, and we'll continue reading our text this morning. But now in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Let's just stop right here for a second. The wall in the Jerusalem temple was a wall of separation. It separated the court of the Gentiles from the rest of the temple. There were signs posted on the wall that warned the Gentiles that they were barred from entry into the rest of the temple. And the penalty for breaching this wall was going to be death. See, this wall, it, it had two purposes. It it was there to keep the Gentiles safe because if they wandered in, there were some deadly consequences. And the other purpose of this wall was it was to keep whatever was holy in the inner parts of the temple separate from that which was not holy. But once Jesus completed his work on the cross, there was no longer any need for a wall. There was no longer this need for separation anymore. Jesus, he became the temple, and there was no room in his heart for a wall to separate the Jews from the Gentiles. I want to tell you today, if we are not careful, we can create walls in our minds. Sometimes between races, sometimes between nations, sometimes between religions, between genders, between socioeconomic statuses, between schools, between communities, even between our families. And being different is very important for us. It's, there's no doubt about that. It, it, it creates our identity. But one thing I know is this. It doesn't matter what country you come from. It doesn't matter what culture you are a part of. We have more in common than we have differences. And here's what we all have in common. We were all created in the image of God. We all have the same basic needs in our lives, right? The need for food and shelter and clothing, the need to be accepted, the need to belong, the need to find fulfillment and purpose and meaning, the need for love, and we all have fallen to sin. The Jews, they began to let their pride build these walls 
against people of other languages, against people from other races, from, from people of other cultures. And I want to ask you this morning, have you built these walls in your mind? I mean, have you built these walls in your heart? There's a lot of barriers that can divide us, right? Age and appearance and intelligence and politics and race and culture and language. And I'll tell you this morning that one of the best ways that you can stifle the love of God in your life is to be friendly with people that only look like you. But in Christ, there is no ground that exists for barriers or division. Not along racial, gender, cultural, or any other lines because we are now one with all others in Jesus, whether we like it or not. Let's move on to verse 15. So that in himself, he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace and reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. You know, I want to remind you this morning that the cross made the ground level. What Jesus did for us on that cross, he, he abolished all of the Jewish laws, and now the ground was leveled for both the Jews and the Gentiles. The, the cross, it leveled the ground for the male and for the female. The cross leveled the ground for the rich and the poor, for the Democrat and the Republican, for the educated and the uneducated, for the master and the slave. The cross leveled the ground for the black and the white and the yellow and the red and even the Canadian. It made the non-Jew equal to the Jew. And then listen to what Jesus does. Jesus, he took these two groups, the, these two groups that hated each other, and he made them a part of himself. Right? He took these two groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, and he made one person out of the two. And so this new man, or the, the idea of one new man, it's pretty fascinating. Because with the cross, Jesus leveled the ground. He made us all equal, right? He made Roberta equal to Educate, equal to Cindy, and equal to me. But I want to tell you this morning that while all those who consider themselves a Christ follower while all of us have been made equal, you also need to know that as followers of Jesus Christ, we were also joined together. And so you need to understand this morning that all 30 plus nationalities that are represented here today, we have been made equal, but you and I also have become fused together as one to himself. That is a powerful statement that Paul says that we will become one. We are now fused together as one. And what that means is that you don't have to go through this life alone. 
You don't have to deal with the struggles of your life on your own. But your problems are my problems. And my joy is your joy. And your accomplishments are my accomplishments. And my pain is felt by you. Verse 17. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. And I want to remind you this morning that the love of Jesus Christ transcends race. And the person of Jesus Christ transcends culture. And who Jesus is transcends all people groups. And I want to ask you this question this morning. How does your love of other people compare? Jesus came and he preached peace, not just to the Jews, but to the non-Jews as well. You'll remember that he hung out with the rich and with the poor. He hung out with the healthy and the sick. He spoke to women in a time that was unconscionable. He spoke to a prostitute. He wasn't afraid of the Samaritans, these Gentile, unclean people. And in his ministry, he broke every dividing wall that existed between gender in politics and social status and in race. And now this Jesus, the Prince of Peace, is calling us to peace. He calls us to have peace with God. And he says, those who were so far away, those of you who are wrestling and those of you who are struggling to find peace in your life, he will be your peace if you give your life to him. And if you have made peace with God, Jesus calls us to make peace with each other. Because he has broken down every single barrier and because he has fused us into one, because he has created a new family, now it is our turn to break down those barriers. If we are one family in Christ, there should be no barriers, no division. No basis of any discrimination. And so I want to ask you this morning, are there barriers in your life that need to fall? Are there barriers in your heart that need to be broken? Have men hurt you in the past, and now you put all men on the side of the dividing wall? Have you been hurt by a woman and now you've created a dividing wall in your heart. Has someone cheated you and now you've created a, a dividing wall with anyone who makes more money than you do? Maybe someone made fun of you and now you have a dividing wall for anyone who is smarter than you. I mean, how do you treat those who don't look anything like you? Do you have dividing walls where you've classified everyone of a certain race to be a certain way, undeserving of your time and undeserving of your energy and undeserving 
of your love? Are these walls existed? Do these walls exist in your heart? Verse 19. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. I just want you to imagine for a second that you're a refugee from another country. And after surviving your flight to this country and being poor and being homeless, just imagine for a second that now you want to be a citizen of this country. And so you go to the courthouse and you go and you take this oath and the judge who's there who authorizes your citizenship, he proceeds by inviting you to come live in his palace along with a whole bunch of other immigrants. I mean, would you accept the offer? Well, of course you would accept that offer. This is what our God has done for us. See, God in his mercy, he has taken us foreigners and aliens, and he has made us a part of the kingdom of heaven. And he would take it a little bit further by making us a part of his own family and members of his household. This morning, I want to talk to the internationals who are here today. Some of you, you left your homes some time ago, and you still feel as though you're a stranger in this land. And I want to tell you that you are no longer strangers here. And some of you have a card. Mr. Tim Kamani just got his card. At least that's what he told me. <laughs> that says that you're a resident alien here. And I want to tell you that you are no longer aliens here. This is your home with your brothers and your sisters who love you. We are a family. But some of you need to commit. Some of you need to stop acting as though you're a guest in this house. You are not a guest, and you are not a boarder who's just passing through. This is your house. This is your home. This is your family. And in your family, there are family responsibilities. I know most of us internationals, we don't get involved until someone invites us, and so... Let this be your official invitation. Get plugged in. Commit to using your gifts. Commit to those who are around you. And come and do life with us. And stop acting as though you're a stranger in your own house. All those non-internationals who are here this morning... I want to tell you, if you've been here for three to six months or so, I want to encourage you, get plugged in. Commit to using your gifts. Commit to those who are around you and come and do life with us 
and stop acting like a stranger in your own home. So this morning, we need to ask God to begin to open our eyes. We need to ask God that He open the eyes of our heart that we would catch a glimpse of the vision of what he wants this church to look like. So where do we go from here? I mean, there are most of us who are here this morning who would say, listen, I love Jesus. I love Jesus with all of my heart, but I don't feel like I'm fused to the other people in this room. You know, most of you know Pastor Selwyn and I that we are great friends. I mean, we call each other our best friends. And the funny thing is that on paper, we are so different. He was in the military, I was in Bible school. He likes hunting, and I like basketball. I like playing an instrument. He likes listening to other people play an instrument. We grew up in really different places, in different countries. We look nothing like each other. Our stories are totally different, but they are exactly the same because we are sinners saved by grace. We both put all of our trust and all of our confidence and all of our hope in the Jesus who died for us on that cross. And this Jesus, he infused us together here at Glad Tidings Church for over a decade that we would serve together. And you know what? I recently heard that when we've gone to district events, people notice something different about us. They, they, they know and they see that, that we just have this really unique relationship. He and I, we think alike. And to this day, unknowingly, we both have given similar, if not the exact same advice and counsel to people in this room. And you might be asking, well, how is that possible? It's possible because of who Jesus is. But it's also possible because we made space for each other to do life together. And so I'll close with this this morning. Unity isn't something that magically happens. It's something that needs to be practiced. Unity doesn't exist without your involvement. And so we need to learn from each other. We need to learn about each other's stories. We need to learn about each other's strengths and weaknesses. And we need to minister to each other's culture groups. You need to create space in your life for people. You need to invest in Christ followers from other cultures. We need to demonstrate that other culture groups really, truly matter to us. So how are you doing that? How are you going to do this? And I want to tell you this morning, this is why it's so important to be involved in a life group at Glad Tidings Church. 
You know, this is your opportunity to share your experiences. This is your opportunity to learn from other people. This is your opportunity to do life together, infused with each other, the way that Jesus expects us to live. You know, my generation has never seen a country so divided on the issues of equality and race and racial reconciliation, but I remind you this morning that the church has the answers. Jesus made a way that all nations would be able to come together, not as individual tribes, not as individual people groups, but that we would come together as one family. And so this morning, I want you to know that whoever you are, and whatever country you've come from, whatever your background is, you have a place here. You are welcomed here. You are accepted here, and you belong right here. This morning, with your eyes closed, we're going to prepare our hearts for communion today. Jesus, he, um, he calls himself the bread of life. And bread was incredibly important during the time of Jesus, and it remains to be such a vital part of all of our cultures. Bread brings nourishment, and bread brought sustenance, and bread brings life. When you, break, when you bake bread, a lot of different ingredients are put together. And each ingredient is different. And each ingredient on its own isn't all of that impressive. But when all of the ingredients are put together, each serve a unique purpose in creating this bread. You know, on and off over the last few months, We've been using a different kind of bread during our time of communion. We've been using this marble rye bread. It's a bread that is both brown and white. There are two different doughs, and they're only different in color. And the doughs are both pounded, and the, and the doughs are both kneaded, and both of these doughs go through the exact same process. And the baker then takes these two different doughs and he puts them together because they need to go through the fire together so that they would be infused with each other. I want you to hear the words from John in Revelation chapter 5. 
Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. And I wept and I wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, he has triumphed and he is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne. And he went and he took the scroll. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased for God men from every tribe and every language and every people and every nation. You are worthy to take that scroll and open it, for you were slain with your blood. You purchased for God men from every tribe and language and every nation. And then I looked up, and I heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousands, and they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor, and glory, and power forever, and forever, and all of God's people said, Amen.